0: Welcome in to another edition of San Antonio Changemakers. I'm your host, Zachary Espediqueta, your favorite local advisor and insurance agent right here in the 210. And on episode three, I have Jonathan Gutierrez joining me on the show. Now, Jonathan is best known as an organizer, educator, and voting rights advocate. He's passionate about developing young leaders right here in the Lone Star State. In his current role at Move Texas... Jonathan works to coach, support, and develop community organizers across South Texas and Central Texas. He focuses on those who engage in year-round, peer-to-peer voter registration, voter mobilization, and power-building campaigns in youth communities. Jonathan is a proud graduate of Texas A&M International University and an alumnus of AmeriCorps Vista. So with that said, let's get right into the interview. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for joining me on this special NLC San Antonio series. Um, Excited to speak to you. Um, I don't have the exact date of when this is all going to release, but I will say in terms of scheduling, um, you are the second interview after
1: Nicolette. So um, excited to have you on. Woo! Well, thank you so much for just creating this space. Um, And yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to share a little bit about NLC. And uh, yeah, I know I'm. Nicolette is a tough act to follow, but (laughs) I'm I'm excited to be here.
0: She always felt, and I told her this on the episode. um, So the listeners that they already know at this point, but (laughs) but she always brought the energy. And what was cool, um, the fact that I got to interview her first too was like we were in another leadership development group too with LSaISD, just more educational focus here in San Antonio. Great organization. Shout out to Austin Hawk, but. she just brought the energy and that was a big group that's like a group of like 30 people in that group um and of course we have what like 14 but she doesn't matter group of 14 group of 40 she just brought the energy so yeah i will i will say that she is a tough act to follow jonathan but uh but no no glad to have you here and uh, kind of let the listeners know a little bit of backstory a little bit of a backstory about you and how you got to the position you're in now
1: for everyone listening my name is jonathan um he him pronouns Um, I currently, uh, during my day job, um, work as the South Central Field Manager for Move Texas. Um, So Move Texas, we're a nonpartisan nonprofit dedicated to uh, developing um, power of young people in Texas through leadership development, uh, issue advocacy, um, and civic education. And so I am so excited uh, about the work I get to do on a daily basis, uh, mainly because I love working with young people. I guess, professionally, how I kind of ended up in, in this space. I originally was um, born and raised in Laredo and surrounding communities, uh, moved to San Antonio about five years ago now um, to, to really embark on like law school, was super excited about law school, did about a year of it, and then realized, you know what, maybe law school isn't really for me. And um, kind of bounced around uh, with a couple of different um, jobs and kind of like projects. Um, but I think the the big through line with a lot of the projects and, and kind of uh, opportunities that I kind of explored were really that I love education and I love mentorship and I love seeing people grow specifically like young people that traditionally, um, a lot of times in like our culture are kind of told that they have to wait to be able to have the space to, to have any like agency or have opportunity. And so, yeah, that's kind of what drove me to the work I do now. I've been at MOVE for a little over two years now, and it's been so incredible to watch the growth of like that organization um, that started as a small uh, student group at UTSA that now is like one of the largest um, voter registration and voter mobilization groups in the state. Um, and so super inspired by the work that our team does every day. Um, and then I think separately to um, some of the, I guess the causes that I really care about. I'm really, really passionate about voter education and just voter kind of like engagement in our like community. Um, And I think so much of that also comes from like my parents. So my parents were um, educators and pastors of a church in Laredo. And um, I like to think of my job like nowadays, as like very much an extension of like that love of community that I experienced at a really young age. And yeah, it's a lot of times when I tell my parents about what I do, like as we grew up in like a border culture where there aren't really jobs about like organizing, I'm like I'm kind of like a pastor of sorts, uh, still building the community, still kind of like um, engaging with people on a daily basis and doing a lot of the education work that they're really familiar with. So on that level, they very much get what I do. They're like, you're like a teacher, but for voting. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. If that's if that's what you want to label it as, I'll, I'll take it.
0: No, that's a good. That's a good way to describe it. Um, I'm kind of interested in, in learning a little more. Um, I, I, I've been. I've told you this before, but we definitely need to do like a move Texas episode uh, for essay talk. But I don't want to get too much into that. Well, that'll be a separate episode in itself. But just kind of the topic surrounding uh, voter education, especially for for young individuals. I just think of. Uh, myself, I still think of myself as young, but even people younger than me—I'm um, 29, all right—not too old. Uh, but people younger than me, like I, I guess, I remember how I used to think. Um, my feelings towards politics and towards voting in my early 20s, and even like in when I was in high school, still, um, I kind of just felt like indifferent. Like I didn't really care. I mean, sure, I paid attention a little bit. I was on social media, things like that. But like. I felt like, oh, it doesn't directly affect me or like my vote doesn't count or like it's not going to matter. I live in a red state, like things like that, you know, or ah, the people in power are much older than me. So what does it matter? But like, so how do we how do we combat that? How does Move Texas combat that? But just in general, how do we as a community combat that?
1: I think that's a that's a really great um, I think that's a very common experience that we see out in the community when when I'm doing like this type of work of voter education and just leadership development, right? Um, I think in this state, one of the biggest challenges that we have and uh, one of the biggest challenges that we really prioritize in our outreach efforts at MOVE is really trying to break down the barriers to getting involved. And a lot of times for young people or people from communities that have been historically under invested in um, and communities that have been, um, in so many different ways um, had their power kind of like removed from them one of the things that we center is like number one in naming that like it is built this way on purpose it is like designed to um, make it hard or or make it feel like politics isn't accessible for you and so i think one of the earliest things that we do with people is really just listen create space for people to share their thoughts on like the state of like the world Um, and also point them to the the ways that they can make an impact with the tools that they have available to them. A lot of times, like the really common one is um, getting registered to vote, which we know is like for a lot of people, a very first step to being more involved in their community. Um, But one of the things that's really exciting about Move and about what we do on, on a daily basis in the field is we also connect them to the issues that they care about. So we might be hosting a tabling at a San Antonio, where we'll be talking to students um, that'll come up to us. And sometimes that conversation is about voting, but sometimes it's about like housing. They might come up to us and say, hey, I uh, just experienced this where I started uh, classes at TAMUSA and we actually don't, but uh, we actually weren't afforded housing as we had like a housing crisis on campus and 300 of us have to be living at like a hotel. That's like uh, X number of miles away from campus and i really don't want to talk about voting right now but like this is the issue that's like most pressing for me and like what can i do about it and so some of the most exciting things i think that we get to do at move and i think that speak to kind of like the way that we combat so much of like the challenges that we're facing is number one point out that young people have agency um, and really come through with some really strong like education both around like our power um, and about the many different ways we can exercise that agency in like public spaces. Um, but, uh, yeah, as you said, there are so many different, um, branches and so many different reasons why, um, politics, politics is inaccessible for young people. Um, but I think first and foremost, just educating people and reminding them that like, Hey, it's built that way. And like, you're not alone. And I felt that way too. It, it goes such a long way.
0: I love that. Now, you know, with NLC, what I've, what I've, truly found so fascinating about NLC is like, and they literally say this when you're learning about it, but they're taking leaders from so many different sectors, from so many different industries, people that are doing different things, right? And organizations, people that work in the media, uh, things of that sort. But, you know, what What led you to NLC? Um, how, how did you first hear about it? Who referred you? Um, how did you first hear?
1: I first heard about NLC through my younger sister. Um, She was NLC class of probably 2000, maybe 2018, if not 2019. Um, She had such a really great experience with NLC. And I remember attending her graduation and um, just being really excited to see that that growth in her. Um, And then the pandemic hit. I had originally intended on on applying after her, uh, after seeing her experience with the cohort and learning a little bit more about NLC Um, and I think I may have like missed the deadline or something like that. And so uh, I got pushed off a little bit. Um, but as we recently, um, as the situation around COVID has, has changed a little bit as more opportunities have kind of been afforded for like, um, some in-person engagement, I think I was really excited about, um, the opportunity to tap into an NLC experience. I think really early on, um, just learning a little bit about NLC and, again, their commitment to like proximate place-based leadership, I think was really exciting. Um, And just being able to be in a space uh, with so many people from different backgrounds that all are very much aligned on trying to create progress like, and progress for what that might mean in like their own line of work. And so while it was originally my sister um, and just seeing how much fun she was having and all the NLC, uh, hearing about like her lead group and hearing about like the socials and stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, that looks like so much fun. Um, it later very much became about like, how do I uh, find a place where I can again develop that those professional skills and also find very much like that type of community that's also very much interested in in developing their own skills and um, trying to figure out how together we can make San Antonio a little better.
0: Had you ever participated in
1: any other professional development kind of cohort like this before? No. So this is my and I'm I'm like. Trying to think at the back of my mind. No, I think this is this is the first um, the first I guess uh, more career and type of like community development program that I've been able to participate in. Um, I have been a I am very much a product of Americorps, um, which is another uh, program that I was really fortunate to take a part of or to take part of when I was in um, college. And I think that experience was incredibly formative for um, just my understanding and like love for community. Um, but as it relates to career development, I think this is the first time I was like, you know what, I'm going to invest in myself and I'm going to pay that, <laughs> pay that seat deposit. And, uh, I'm really going to commit to filling out an application on a Saturday afternoon. I think I treated <laughs> myself. I was like, I got coffee and like snacks and stuff. I was like, I'm going to make this fun for me. Um, but, but yeah, Yeah,
0: I mean, cause it was, and I, in fact, now that you say that, I think we even had our interviews, like on Sunday, like a Sunday, I think is what it was or something like that.
1: Um, yeah, I was I, like, totally. I'm getting dressed up for zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm really investing in myself. <laughs> totally forgot about that.
0: Well, you know, you, you mentioned in, in explaining how you first heard about NLC, um, and talking about your sister too, and, and what, Kind of fun you saw her having in her cohort, but um, what was some of your favorite parts about this cohort? About your class, our class, right? What were some of your favorite moments from these last what six months?
1: It's hard to think about like favorite moments without naming. I think one of the like one of those like milestone moments, and a lot of times I liken it to um, I liken it to that scene in Inside Out where they form those like core memories. Um, (laughs) if, If Uh, listeners, if you're uh, familiar with Inside Out, there's a a scene where um, essentially there are like these really big moments in your life that you just, uh, you immediately as you're going through them, you start to realize that like that's going to be um, transformational in like how you view yourself or um, how you process the world. And I think for NLC, one of those moments um, was definitely that lead weekend. Um, That was that very first weekend we were all together where we had the opportunity to really think about um, our own identity, our own life maps and thinking about like what brought us to this space. Um, I think that weekend, um, was like one of the most, um, transformative for me. And I think very much like level set kind of what we were going to expect to, to, to go through in this program. Um, on top of that weekend, I think there were so many great speakers that we've had over the, over the course of the past couple of, um, over the, Last couple of months, I think um, listening to everyone from like SA 2020 come through and present about like how to approach our work with like strategy and equity um, to having um, those in like the Mexican American civil rights um, group come and talk to us about like the work that they're doing in San Antonio Um, I think all of it has been incredibly balanced. I think one of the things that's really, really great about like the NLC experience, and I think one of the things I've really enjoyed, um, tremendously is the intentionality that goes into making a weekend really dynamic. And that comes from like having speakers that come from all backgrounds that comes from having speakers that speak to the diversity of the audience, whether it's in business or in nonprofit world or in city politics um, it's all just really exciting. And so I think definitely that, that NLC lead weekend is top of mind. Um, but honestly, every weekend has been really great. Um, I think the diversity is one of those things that I'm going to leave NLC with knowing as like, that's something I'm going to share with other people when considering when really making the pitch for them to apply. Um, Cause I think everyone would benefit from this experience.
0: That's what I was thinking of like, you know, recently we've been tasked with, you know, kind of referring our own group of people um, for next year's class. And that's what I was thinking, like, man, I, I can think of a number of people who, like, they need to go through this. Like, I know they would take away a lot. Um, I'd have to agree with you. You know, and Nicolette said the same thing in the first interview about Lead Weekend and something interesting that she brought up, or I don't know, maybe I brought it up. I can't remember now. But we talked about, like, what would have, what it would have been like had we been in person. Like, would it have been different? You know, Um, it's hard to argue. Maybe maybe it would have been better. Maybe it would have been worse. You know, there's there's kind of a uh, maybe, I don't know, a vulnerability that we had feeling that we were at least in our own homes, you know, recording via Zoom. So maybe we're able to be more open. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, But I, I do think about that, like what it would have been like. And I know we talked about that a little bit, too.
1: Yeah, I would have, uh, we would have had to have Kleenex on every table <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> and honestly, we would have like, it would have been so much. Um, but I think that is one of the unique things for our cohort as a cohort that did first initially start virtually and that moved to in-person after um, the conditions allowed. I think it was one of the um, hidden opportunities um, that I do think it allowed us to be like really vulnerable. Um, in a way that also was like kind to ourselves in being able to have that private space to process. I remember there were many points over the course that weekend when someone would go off camera and like everyone just knew (laughs) that like someone's (laughs) going off camera because they're they're feeling it. And I think being able to have that space where we can not just like hope to create really like progressive spaces for us to like learn from, but also where we can um, very much also be kind to ourselves as we're doing this like learning and growth and as we're going through this journey i think uh, just speaks to like um how lucky we were um to to have that unique moment um, but i i wouldn't trade it for anything um, but i'm also open to hearing from someone else if they're like it's it's so much better in person um totally open to that being that being true too
0: absolutely now at the time of recording this what's what june 9th um, a Thursday, and uh, in two weeks, uh, again as of the date that we're recording this, is the graduation and capstone presentation. Um, unfortunately, some of us won't, you know, won't be there. I think myself, Sarah, and uh, Lily, I think, are the three <clears throat> who won't be able to make it. But um, ca- can we get a little peek? You know, at what you're doing for your capstone? Or <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So we are going to have to make some cardboard cutouts of you three, so we can get y'all in that group photo over and over again. Um, and I'm so jealous too.
0: I was telling my girlfriend this on the way back from uh, from Almo Beer Company last night. Uh, I was just telling her how kind of like jealous I am and like mad almost at my friend for getting married. I mean, it is in Miami. So, I'm, you know, we're going to have fun, but <laughs> it's like, it's at city hall. Like that's the coolest thing, you know, and I don't even get to be there. So I'm kind of disappointed, but.
1: I know it is low key a flex. I did talk. <laughs> I did tell that to my sister and she was like, Oh, you all were able to get city hall. And I'm like, yeah. And she was just like, Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sure she's, she's feeling all the feels. Um But yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited. I think one of the things that I'm really excited about for um, this capstone, and I think one of the things that's very unique to like the NLC experience is that you have flexibility over the course of a program to adapt to like the things that you're learning and have them have the ultimate capstone that you present be informed by your education over the course of six months. And I remember when I first submitted my application, I had an idea, this like bubbling thought. I was like, you know what? I'm really, really interested about this. Like one thing, um, I w- and that one thing, just to spoil, because it's not what I'm, my capstone is, um, that one thing was redistricting. I was like, redistricting, it's so important. So like, I was like, community education around this one, one issue is like so big. And I think I went through the NLC experience and I remember thinking, I'm hoping to sharpen that idea over the course of six months. And it ended up. Over the course of six months, I ended up transforming that idea. And I think that was very much a testament to the curriculum as the way it's built. Um, my ultimate capstone, just to give a preview, um, I over the course of the six months, we really started to think about like our identity, like how our identity impacts the way we show up in this world, how our commitment to like different forms of like equity um, affects like the way that we show up at work and the way that we show up in, in terms of our ideas and like, um, all of those types of things. And ultimately the, the idea that I think really quickly pivoted, uh, that I very quickly pivoted into at the beginning was really wanting to lean into my own identity as like an educator, as someone that like resonates really strongly with that value. And ultimately, um, my, it's really inspired a capstone where I can focus on working with high school age Um, young people specifically young people that aren't yet eligible to be registered to vote um, as some form of like extension of work um, but really doing education on like organizing like what does it mean to be a community member what does it mean to be like a source of inspiration for the people around you and what is your agency and like how can you leverage that recognizing that you have so many tools that are afforded to you even if you aren't yet eligible to register to vote which we know culture and society is telling us it's like an incredibly important way to mobilize someone uh, but it isn't the only way and especially for young people that disproportionately are impacted by like the culture and the politics of this moment um it's it's just so powerful and i think especially in this moment in light of like recent events um it whether it's uvalde or whether it's um the recent events that are really taking place around the country and Um, we know that young people are and have always been like the moral arbiter um, and a moral like a moral vision for change for this country and I think being able to invest um, into that space and invest in that space in a way that is in alignment with like my values is really important to me um, which is why I'm also very excited um, to explore how we can offer this program in small communities like mine where I grew up in where we didn't have access to these types of jobs or these types of opportunities. Um, And I think that a lot of those things are inspiring how I'm going to approach this upcoming capstone presentation. Um, (laughs) But in a nutshell, uh, education, um, specifically for high school students um, and education around their power, um, because I think that's really important.
0: They're going to have to do some kind of recording or something so we can see everyone's presentation. I know. Oh yeah, we're going
1: to FaceTime you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know for me, I I think what I'm going to do is... Because we're supposed to, again, they haven't told us yet as of recording this, and it's coming up shortly, but, uh, but I think it's going to be in person somewhere. And so what I'm thinking about doing, since it involves the podcast, is actually recording my capstone presentation as a podcast. So, you know, I think that's what I want to do. Um, we'll see how it goes. And uh, I also am interested to see, you know, it was, was kind of cool when they brought back uh, alumni from, from other cohorts. And we got to hear like, whether they went through with their capstone or not, or maybe like what, maybe, maybe their capstone led them to a different idea or down a different path. And so it'd be interesting to see everyone's, uh, you know, capstone in comparison to like what they actually end up doing over these next like two or three years. Um, there needs to be some kind of like, uh, remember, what is it? Uh, like, I don't know. Like, where so, are they now? Yeah, 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 exactly. Where are they yeah. now? I don't know why I couldn't think of it, but like, where are they now? There needs to be like that for like everyone. Um, but no, absolutely. And, and I'm I'm so disappointed that like, I'm not going to get to see that or, or anybody's uh, presentation, really, except for like me and Sarah <laughs> and Lily. But no, before I get you out of here, Jonathan, um, I do have to ask you an important question, a very important question. You're from the RGV,
1: right? I am from Laredo.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I thought you were from Okay, I'm yeah. Sorry. No,
1: there is a there is a long-standing RGB Laredo bet. It is um, if you're on Twitter, you've seen it. The nine five six goes back and forth. But I am very proudly from Laredo. No hate to the RGB. Love them. <laughs> um, there are times where I will too. I will also like be like, if someone's like RGB, I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, but also. Um, RGV people are very also protective of the art of their RGB. So I was going to ask
0: not... who had the better breakfast taco, but I guess you can answer that. Oh, I that's mean... Laredo.
1: That's Laredo. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, besties. <laughs> that's us. Oh man. I, I,
0: I had to ask, you know, and, and it's funny because, I mean, it applies to Laredo as well. Um, in fact, my, my brother's girlfriend's from Laredo and I know we've had that conversation. Um, but man, that is, that is you know, a lot of people on Twitter focus on the taco war between Austin and San Antonio, but people forget that there's a huge taco war between San Antonio and the RGV tube.
1: <laughs> it, it, it truly is its own thing. I will say the one unifying thing I do love is the Puro 956. Um, I do, I identify with Puro 956 more than I do with RGV <laughs> or Laredo. <laughs> um, we are all one.
0: Well, Jonathan, again, thank you for for joining me as a part of this series for NLC San Antonio. Um, before, before I'm sorry, before I let you go, um, let the listeners know where they can find where they can find you, where they can follow you. How can they keep up?
1: Yeah, so um, there are a couple of places. I'm not very big on um, lots of social media, but I am at pretty active on Twitter. You can find me at jgutierreztx. Um, you can also follow. Uh, the work that I do um, professionally at movetexas.org. Um, again, that's movetexas.org. Um, and it has all of that, um, all of the incredible information about like our programs. Um, and you can also find me under the staff page if you want to um, shoot me an email about any questions. Uh, my email inbox is always open.
0: That's going to wrap up my interview with Jonathan Gutierrez and another episode of San Antonio Changemakers. As always, thank you to everyone who supports the podcast, this series, all other series on the San Antonio Podcast Network. I really appreciate your support, whether it's monetary or whether it's just sharing on social media. Um, Rate and review, please. If you haven't already, you can do so now on Spotify. And of course, as well on Apple Podcasts, I'm trying to get past. I think we're at thirty-one ratings right now, still maintaining that five-star rating. But if we can get more, I'm definitely for it. Uh, if you want to keep up with the podcast on social media, you can do so on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at S A Pod Network. That's at S A, as in San Antonio. Pod is in podcast. Network at SAPod Network. Lastly, if you or any business owners you know are looking to advertise with the San Antonio Podcast Network, please reach out to me at Zachary, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y at SAPODnetwork.com. Thank you all again. Have a wonderful week. See you again in a couple of weeks and viva San Antonio.